Good evening, everyone. Wednesday night, episode 42 of So What's Been Happening, Wednesday the 30th of June, the supposed to be the end of financial year, but I think it's the end of lack of finances for me for the financial year. So hopefully we kick onto a new one and new beginnings. Here we are at show 42. Bergie, how are you, mate? I'm going all right, as who'd have thought we'd get to 42, mate? Exactly. We will Keep say that strong. forever. Uh, give us your, uh, give us a number 42, mate, if you got one. Oh, it's got to be pants. Pants, mate. He's got pants, Malone. Holding there up the ball go. in there, throwing the ball up near, broken finger, breaking the drought. It's got to be 42, mate. What about cars, mate? How are you, mate? Have you got one? Yeah, g'day, Ash. G'day, Perky. Yeah, look, as an Essence supporter for the wrong reasons, Pants Malone. What an amazing man who lived a pretty hard life, but it, like that that moment when he held up the footy, is, he, 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 his family will never forget that. So, yeah, great times. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll do a quick shout-out to big James Worthy. Played for yeah, the Lakers, so. big number 43 yeah. back in the day. Yeah, so. I was waiting sort of might, might be fitting that we flash back into the 90s. Um, what a great time it was growing up as a young bloke, getting out and experiencing pubs and music and bands. And uh, no doubt our next guest was definitely part of that scene. Berkey, who have we got for show number 42? Well, this bloke probably doesn't remember much of the 90s, but uh, I think I think we were both lied on in the 80s. I, I saw this guy back, uh, I think it was the Seaview Ballroom, might have been the Crystal Ballroom in, uh, in St Kilda 100 years ago, I reckon. It would only have been six, and I was probably about twenty. But um, he played in a band called uh, Beach House. He's playing playing bass guitar, and then and he left the band and uh, went out with another band with uh, with his sidekick Adrian uh, in the Recory. That's where a lot of people fell in love with this bloke. And then uh, then everyone jumped on board for uh, his other band, Nick Barker and the Reptiles. So let's get him out here, Nick Barker. How are you, Nick? Welcome. How are you? <laughs> G'day, Nick. Welcome aboard. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Gee whiz, you got a good memory on your Berkey Beach House. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, lots of, Two lots bass of players. Stuff, mate. Two bass players in Beach House. Yeah, strange. Yeah. That's where I remember that you. The, that was the early 80s for you, though. It was, <laughs> that was a nutty, arty time, you know. <laughs> Two drummers. Three bass players and a saxophone. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had it all. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All right, Berkey. Um, I suppose let's let's kick off, Berkey, with your with your first memory of Nick. Um, where else where else outside of this first part bar and you know, where where did you see Nick and what's his little journey been like for you? Well, I've got I actually work with my sister and I've got a jab on the side today because it's almost twenty years to the day to her. 30th birthday that we left early to go and see uh see Nick play at the Mill Park uh Mill Park stables wasn't far from us. And I, I skipped my daughter and my sister's 30th birthday to go and see the reptiles. Oh man. <laughs> see that's so, what that's that's what we don't have enough of in this country, you know. I reckon we could just, birthday. just that sort of commitment to live music, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Berkey's <laughs> always texting me saying, Oh, I got tickets for this, I got tickets for that. And it's like, I just don't know how you have the fucking energy, honestly. I mean, it's just, it's funny, you know, because when you're in a band, you kind of, uh, how do I put this? It's not that you don't enjoy music. It's just that it's a competition sport, you know what I mean? So, you, oh, yeah. you, you know, for me going and seeing 
bands that are my contemporaries, it's it's a double-edged sword, you know, because on one hand I I dig what they're doing and I, I love them, but on the other hand I'm like, oh, why can't I pull this amount of people or, or why didn't I think of that or, or, you know, how come they're doing it's, you know, and that it's the same when you're listening to music as well. Like it, I, I don't listen to music to relax. It just makes me, it makes me tick over, you know. Mm. It, so it's kind of, as I said, you know, it's, it's got a good side and a bad side, you know, being a musician. I, I, you know, you would look, from from what I gather, you know, you, you blokes, you, you really look forward to going out and and seeing a gig and just kicking back and relaxing. But it's kind of the opposite for me. I, I, I sort of, I love it, but there's a lot of anxiety attached to it. You know, coming from um, you were the you were the big band there for a lot of years, Nick. Yeah, the reptiles Reptile. had everything. It uh, had everything. It had um, <laughs> you know packed shows. You know, five six nights a week. Touring all over the country, touring over, overseas. What what were those times like? Do you remember much of it, Nick? And can you tell us any stories from then? It's funny, you know. I I do. I remember a lot of. I mean, reptiles. It, it, it sort of was. It was there was a lot packed into a really small amount of time, really, because reptiles are really only sort of around eighty eight, pretty much to ninety two, I guess. You know, mm. and it. I was talking to someone the other day saying that that was kind of like the end of pub rock, really. It was the tail end of it, you know. I mean, because, you know, all, all good things change, right? I mean, then the early 90s came in and kind of that, you know, that Seattle grunge scene sort of swept through and festivals started kicking in. It wasn't, you know, we, we could play five nights a week in one city. Like we could go to Sydney and play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know. We could go to Brisbane and do the same, you know, play in the Goldie, play two shows in town, one up the Sunshine Coast, one in Toowoomba, you know, and we used to do that constantly. We'd just roll it over and over again up that east coast, you know. Mm. Adelaide, not so much, but, but but certainly that part of it. And, you know, that, that sort of business model, you know, and when everything, when that the 90s really kicked into gear, that that sort of part of it died a little bit. I mean, bands still toured, but it just wasn't, that wasn't all there was, which is, which yeah. is a good thing, but it, it, it kind of pulled the rug out from, from, from us a little bit, you know, we, we, we saw a definite kind of, you know, it, what we were doing just wasn't, everybody wanted to sign another Nirvana then. Like it was just, yeah. it was madness, honestly. It really, it really was. I mean, some, it was a real crossroads, you know, and we'd sort of come out of, just four years of constant doing pub rock. And Bang I guess in the end we were treading water a little bit, you know. But, you know, having said that, we had a blast. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Can you, Nick, before we um, before we get on to much of the reptile stuff, you can take us back to your first musical, you know, influences. Obviously I've, I've gone with the, uh, I've gone with Keith as Ooh. I've you being a big Stones man and, Played lots of Stones gigs as well, but um, can you take us back to your first thoughts of you when it first started with you? Oh, I was always a new young guy when I was growing up. You know, like like most young guys in the sort of seventies, it was whatever my sisters and their boyfriends were listening to. So it was always my, you know, whatever was in my sister's record collection. And I remember the first two records she she had, she had a Goat's Head Soup, and she had a. 
decade by Neil Young. And I think oh, she had a bunch of other stuff too, but that was the stuff that I really kind of listened to a lot. And so I, I kind of started with a mate sort of playing Neil Young covers really. And then, you know, then when I started going and playing, like I moved to St Kilda, I was about 17 and started playing at the ballroom and I was in about five bands. I was in Beach House. I was in a band called The Curse with Adrian. And, uh, you know, me and Adrian, I've known him since I was 17, which is, you know, 30 years. So, and it was a really great, people forget, it was, you know, people think of the 80s and they think of kind of, you know, Pseudo Echo and, you know, that real kind of late 80s scene. But the, the little band scene I was a part of in the early 80s was was incredible. Like there was gigs everywhere in St Kilda, hmm. you know, the Mount Erica, the Prince of Wales, the Esplanade, obviously the Seaview Ballroom, Crystal Ballroom as it became. And, you know, I was living in a squat in Carlisle Street, you know, me and Adrian and a bunch of other people. And I, I was, we are just playing all the time. And then I joined the Recory, which... And the Rickery were kind of, you know, we we were a popular band, you know, and we yeah. used to play a lot and we used to tour a lot. We used to go to Brisbane and Sydney and, you know, at that time, I mean, Sydney was incredible. Like we used to go play, you know, the Hopeton and, and places like this and the Trade Union Club and, you know, we'd do the Trade Union Club and there'd be us, Died Pretty, Be Suburban, you know, on upstairs and then a bunch of other bands on the second floor, Vanilla Chainsaws, bands like this, you know, like it, you know, it was exciting. And people, you know, I get people forget that we did it all ourselves. Like there was no internet, you know, we were doing posters ourselves, we were we were printing vinyl ourselves, we were incredibly proactive and incredibly busy, you know. So in a lot of ways, I think those those times when I was sort of 18 playing bass in the record, because I made four albums with them, you know, and yeah. Maybe in five, but I think I probably enjoyed that a lot more than reptiles in some ways because I was a lot more carefree. You know, I didn't yeah. have front man. Yeah. I didn't have the sort of kind of corporate responsibility that I that I guess I felt in reptiles, which hmm. sounds strange, but you know they sunk a lot of dough into us, man. You know, and you know. I, I did feel pressure. I felt pressure because, you know, we were kind of all of a sudden in a different realm. I mean, bands, people like Diesel and that were selling bucket loads of records. I mean, you got no idea. I mean, they were selling, you know, a couple hundred thousand albums, which is, seems just like another universe compared to now, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess people don't realise Reptiles never really sold that many records, you know. I mean, believe me, if I sold that many records that I'd sold in Reptiles now, I'd be designing a pool. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, at the time, the way the deals were structured, you know, they spent a bunch of money making them and so you had a lot of money to pay back and, you know, you just, you know, that's kind of how we ended up doing Make Me Smile. I mean, we'd always played that song, but there was a heavy, you know, not pressure, but like, oh, we really do think you should record that song. And I didn't want to because I just, you know, hey, we've got all these other songs, you know, and it, but it did kind of do the trick for us, right? You know, and sort of, yeah. You know, well, it, it, got a, it was a big radio hit, you know, and it yeah, got yeah, us on yeah. Hey Hey it's Saturday and all these things that, you know, that were really beneficial to us at the time. But, but boy, you know, it, it was by no means an easy decision for me. Whereas Recory, we were just, we were, 
you know, we were just kind of, you know, doing our own thing and, you know, I was just having a ball. So I don't know. I mean, I, I had a great time with reptiles. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. But they were just two different experiences for me. So Did, did the record company sort of, was that, did that detract from your enjoyment, like the pure enjoyment you got from playing the music, Nick? Would that be a, a fair call from just what you sort of said then? Like it, did you sort of, you said you felt about the pressure, but so obviously you enjoyed the music, but that sort of detracted from that enjoyment for you like personally? Well, I guess. Well? My thing that I realise now is reptiles, and you guys, if you'd seen reptiles, and you you have, I, I, well, I know Berkey has. Uh, you know we're we're a fucking great bar band. You know that's what we were. That's what I mean. I'd been in, as I said, I'd been in these bands like the Recreation. They were fairly, you know, they were fairly serious bands, and I just wanted to do something that was dumb as hell. You know, and I just wanted to do something where we were just drinking piss and, and you know, like that kind of Amer American bar band, you know, yeah. <laughs> where you could just, you know, do all that stuff. You'd go and stand out in the crowd and do all that stuff. And that's what reptiles were about. And I guess in some ways, you know, they tried to kind of polish us a bit and, I don't know, trying to make us more of a heavy rock band than we actually were. You know, I mean, we had a harmonica player, for Christ's sake. We were, we were never going to be Guns N' Roses, <laughs> you know I mean? We just kind of wanted to be Georgia Satellites, you know, and that did. Yeah. And, you know, we, and they got American producers. And the first American producer we had was, you know, he wasn't the right fit at all. Yeah, a lovely bloke, but, you know, he, we were double tracking. We'll do, he came at us from a very heavy rock kind of place. And it just wasn't us, you know. We were just a really fucking good, no bullshit bar band. And we lived it, you know. We, the reptiles were the real thing, you know. Yeah. And sometimes you took the balls they... out of it, Nick, on, the, on Sorry? the albums. You took the balls out of it. You know, you took the um you you go you go and see you guys, you get the energy and you know you come back pumped. But when yeah, you play the record, you're like, oh, you know, it's just not, you know, you you know, we played every show like it was our last, you know. Yeah, yeah. And when you're playing five nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it's not such a great idea to play the Wednesday like it's your last gig. You've got five more to go. So, it worked for us, but we did have our vodka and staminate. So, you know, <laughs> it was look, oh, I loved it. You know, I mean, I could still, you know, we spent a lot of time in, in vans together, you know, and we're, so you bonded for life, you know, and I am with Adrian and Dave and Drew and, and Chris, you know. I mean, after it, all sort of, after it all sort of finished, it was, I mean, we're only in our 20s. I mean, I was a kid, you know. I, it was so emotional and, you know, and then later on in life now in my 50s, you kind of, you really realise what you had because I've done other bands since and, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to do a band. There is a chemistry there and, it, you know, it either works or it doesn't and it doesn't for a lot of bands, you know, and unfortunately they, you know, they do split up but. You know, we packed a lot in, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, one, thing really, one thing I'm really interested in is is from the signing, when you signed to a label, Nick, and, um, you know, you, you came through that phase and, and, and then first of all, that initial feeling of being signed to a label, um, did, you know, did you feel like you were going to be given your direction you, you could go in or were you kind of steered in a direction from the start um, with your first label? Well, we signed a mushroom, and you know they're an they're an incredibly supportive 
label, but still they're a label, you know, and they were they were putting money into into bands. So there's a there's a there's a pressure that goes with that. Then and I completely wasn't prepared for it because, you know, as I said, I'd just been playing bass and you know taking drugs and meeting girls and having a ball in the rectory, and then I've kind of gone. You know, and there was some pretty heavy life stuff going on as well with said drugs and, you know, and I was kind of coming out, out of all that. And then we signed her to, to, to Mushroom and, you know, I had strong instincts about songs and, and what I thought the band wanted to sound like and they had their ideas and, you know, I did feel it as a young guy and I felt, I also felt like I... I wasn't. My, I wasn't. I felt that I, I, I owed them something for giving me that opportunity. But look, you know, that first, every band wanted a record contract, and and in in those, especially in the late eighties, you know, and I, I would have jumped over a, crawled through a barbed wire fence with a pen. Give me. I would have signed that thing, sight unseen. You know, I mean, it, it wouldn't have made any difference to me. I, I would. I'd, I just wanted to sign that record contract because it was it was the holy grail. So, sure. you know, I come to realise that it probably wasn't. But look, they did a lot for us, man. They, you know, the the publicity machine behind those labels was was phenomenal. You know, it was a completely different animal to what it is now. You know, I'd spend <clears throat> four days in in at Mushroom Records four full days just in the conference room on the phone doing interviews. You know, I'd go out and do these things called retail runs with the festival reps. You know, they'd take you around to 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 like chart stores basically, you know, and you, not to do in-stores, just go in and meet the guys, shake their hands. And, you know, it, it was a lot of groundwork. It wasn't just a matter of putting a record out and kind of chucking a few things up on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, this was a, a serious business and you, I'd go to Sydney and do three, four full days of press, you know, that, that with two or three publicists working on it and, you know, and some of that stuff, you know, I ended up, you know, I ended up in Dolly and magazines like that. that <laughs> you know, I just figured at the time, you know, oh, these are the, these are the compromises that I have to do even though every fibre of my being was going, you don't be doing this. This is just daggy as hell, you know. But look, you know. You Ram and Duke when you got Dolly magazine, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, and they're always the ones that people pull out and go, look at this. Danny Minogue. Have lunch with Danny Minogue or something. You know? I'm sure he got pinned sure on a wall on one of those young ladies' walls somewhere along the line, mate, right. back in the day. Yeah, but, you know. That was part of the machine, and it was. It was a machine, man. I tell you, once it got up and going. So, look, consequently, you know, for a while there, and even to this day, people still remember oh, yeah. who I am, and, and purely because of that, you know, I mean, people mm. wouldn't know, probably couldn't name one song or, you know, maybe not another album that I've done since then, and there's been a lot of them, but, but, but so you, you can't say they didn't do a good job on publicity. And, you know, we backed it up, look. We were the, as I said, we were a real band, and we weren't, we weren't just some shit thing that got up on stage and you went, oh, fuck, this is a bit lame. What's I mean, that? you know, we gave it it, so yeah. you weren't, you were never disappointed walking away from a Nick Bug and a Reptiles gig. So, oh, yeah. I'm proud of that. The spread um, of, uh, of you, Nick, up on my wall. So, 
<laughs> Get well, a bit we've creepy got, now. Well, <laughs> yeah. you've got your great man. You've got the axe in your hand. Can we? Uh, I you think you've got to tell out something for us, mate. Sure. Just, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I thought I might play. Just play some off um, Backyard Six, which was an album I put out. Late 90s, I think, or maybe 2000. Oh, God, I can't even remember. This is a good song. This is a song. This song's about a gig I did. I was on tour with Mick Thomas and I, I, got, um, I got kicked out of my own gig. So. But it was just <laughs> one of those nights, even though, I mean, that, that I got kicked out after I'd done the gig, but I just got, it was just a really great night. So, anyway, I, this one's called Hearts and Minds. Nuts are older than you think. Stomachs, butterflies are drowning in drinking. The clock does its thing. I can't get it to stop. Got a hand on your leg, yeah, neck on the block. I just one more before I pull down the blinds on the best night I had in a year. Good, yeah, I don't need affection, just a little piece of your floor. It's my head and my heart, they don't talk much, no more. You don't have to be strong to hold up a bar. So today's got more rust in my car. It's 4 a.m. and I'm easily led. But your lights are green and I'm a willing to red. Yeah, just one more before I burn down the bridge on the best night I had in a year. All along. Good. I don't need a lecture. Lord, 
Fantastic, mate. Don't know how good it sounds. My technical expertise is uh, not great. (laughs) Super, mate. Sounded great. All good at this end, Nick. Oh, that's good. What's that message? Very good, mate. I'll turn the private chat off. (laughs) Probably wise. Sorry? Probably wise. Just a couple of friends uh, (laughs) tuning in, mate. Um, Basically, a couple of comments there. Um, Good, isn't it? Absolutely. That's, yeah, I've um, unfortunately I'm not a uh, technical genius when it comes to setting these sorts of things up, but no, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, can't wait till we get in and see your real real play, Nick. Nick, um, I'm going to ask another one, boys, if, if you don't if you don't mind. Go so, I remember uh, one of my fave Nicks was uh, on a um of Nicks was a Sunday Arvo at the Yarra Glen Pub with the. Uh, uh, you you played um, it wasn't it wasn't hot but it was such a hot gig. You played um, you um, you got lost on the way to the gig. You played with Venom and I think Garner was in the was backing you up as well. And you played for about three hours. It was going to be one set. You played one Sunday. You played for about three hours. Phenomenal. Where was it? Oh, it would Garrett. have been 10, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Now that's one I don't remember. <laughs> I was going to ask you what your memories were. So we better move on then, mate. Yeah, we'll just skip over that one. <laughs> never, never. It's, 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 been, me and Venom and Tony, probably. Oh, it was Tony. It was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, you we saw, got a lot of. You signed my poster with um a thousand obscenities that I could never put up anywhere, but I've still got it somewhere. That's a good. Uh, that was a good three piece, man. Me and Tony and Venom. I tell you, I loved playing in that band. Yeah, kicked my the kick. Great, great. Moving on from then from your reptile stuff, Nick. Yeah. Um, into the into the Barker band. Yeah. So you uh you had some you had some success there with the guys too in a, in a different realm. A lot of a lot of um critical acclaim, but that doesn't carry pretty, over as much. You're still you're still pulling crowds. You were still pulling crowds. It was pretty interesting that because, you know, as I said. You know, reptiles had finished and I'd gone overseas for a year and I come back and, <clears throat> you know, and I still, look, I had a deal still with the Mushroom and they were like, well, you know, what do you got kind of thing? And I was like, well, I've got one song. It's called Time Bomb. I reckon it's pretty good. And that was kind of all I had really was Time Bomb. I mean, which isn't such a bad backup, I guess, because it was, you know, it was a solid track. And, uh, so I remember I went up to Richard Pleasant's, had a studio up in Dalesford, and I just went up there and me and him just hit it off, you know, like, and we just, uh, I just started writing and I wrote pretty much that whole album, that whole Happy Man album the, the, that very yeah, quickly. Right. And then we recorded it and uh, it really took Mushroom by surprise. It took a lot of people by surprise because it got a lot of airplay. Like it got flogged on Triple J. It was album of the week. And then Time Bomb came out and Time Bomb 
did really well. Like it was hottest 100 that year. Got played on Triple M. It, it, um, you know, it really kind of sideswiped a lot of people. You know that that Triple J just they play every single off it on high rotation, and you know we were on live at the wireless. We and then we did this huge tour with the Bad Loves, which went for like three months, like a national yeah. tour. And, you know, that was kind of at the peak of their powers. Now we were playing kind of, you know, 2,000-seater theatres and mm. it was it was incredible, really. You know, like it, it was just – it blindsided not only me, but I think it blindsided the record company as well because, yeah, it just – at that time, Triple J Airplay was, was like this kind of – it was like the Wizard of Oz almost, you know. And you, if you didn't get it, you, you kind of record. I, I saw it happen. I saw it happen with a lot of friends' bands. I won't name names, but, you know, they'd make these records and Triple J said, nah. And then the record companies would just go, nah, you know. But with us, it was just like we couldn't have got more airplay on there if we tried and I don't know what it was. It was just one of those things, you know. I didn't touch the second solo album I made, but the first one, mm. it was just, you know, it was amazing. And, right you know, at that time the SB front bar was kind of like, was cranking. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we used to play there all the time. So, you know, in between those sort of tours, we'd just go and play Thursdays at the SB front bar and just pack the joint. And it was, it was incredible. You know, like it was just, it was a really great time, you know, because, you know, whilst all this sort of other stuff was going on, we, uh, it was just that new guard, you and mine, bands like that coming through that just blew me away, those bands, you know. When I heard them, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> you know, these bands were just incredible. The energy, you know, <laughs> all of them, like big heavy stuff, you and I, Jebediah, you know, like, there was a lot of bands I really loved. I was really threatened by them, you know, and I really <laughs> felt like an old man and I was getting pushed out of the scene and, you know, all those emotions. But at the same time, they were good boy, you know, and they could play, you know. So I guess in a lot of ways I was really happy that, that my record, you know, was kind of up in the mix at least, you know, because it would have been worse if it just came out and just died yeah. a death, right? So. yeah. yeah. But look, they were good songs, you know. Time Bomb was a good song and it was a song for the times. It, it fitted right in. So, you know, it, it's kind of weird really because it was an old song, you know. It was a song that that I rewrote that was from a band I was in with Adrian in 1982, you know. It was oh, just wow. we just had this. That was the song and that was pretty much all it was. So, you know, and it had. It was written by a mate of mine called, called Cornelius Delaney and he was the singer in this band called The Incredible Songwriter, but he'd had that riff and it was a song called Elephants Never Forget and I just turned it into, you know, and put the rest of it in there and so it was basically a song of, a co-written song a decade apart, you know. <laughs> and uh, it kind of, you know, and I've, 
it just goes to show you, you know, how many good songwriters there are out there floating around. So I've, I've tried to put one of his songs on every single one of my records since then, cool. just as a, as a, you know, a homage to him, you know, and just because all those songs, you know, there's, all those songs are just gone. They're, not a lot of them are recorded. They're just floating around in the air. So I've just sort of tried to, you know, so that was a pretty exciting thing for him and for me when it made the Hottest 100, you know. So. Mm. Yeah. Just yeah. tell us a little bit about that uh, this album cover, Nick. I love it. <laughs> love it. Very nice and bright, yeah. plenty of colour, pretty crazy. Tell we, us a little um, bit about the influence. Well, I was working with a uh, a guy called Anthony who um, had a Dog Boy Films, and he made all he did all the clips for that album. He did the Time Bomb and World's Peach clip, and heard so much about you with the all the old guys playing in the band. Did you? I don't know if you saw that one, but. Just incredible guys, young guys again, like you know, and really innovative. And you know, I wanted to do this, I wanted a clown on the cover. And uh, so I got my mate Terry, who used to, I just knew from the ESPY, and uh, we got him to, we dressed him up as a clown. And he turned up, it was a Sunday morning at St Kilda, we met up at the ESPY and uh, dressed him up. And he'd been up all night on acid. And he was just tripping off his head. And so we dressed him up as a clown <laughs> and we took him out onto the, that's it, the Sunday market. And so there's all these people walking around buying their copper art or whatever. And there's, here comes Terry just with the ciggy, just going, hi, oh, how you going with this clown, clown outfit on, just snapping a couple of shots. And it just made the album cover and it just makes me laugh every time I see it, you know, because he's just covered in tats and like it just it was all wrong and he was just, it was great. It was a, it was a great. It was my favorite favorite time at that bloody St Kilda market. That's for sure. Made <laughs> <laughs> long other times here. You're right. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hit you up for another song, Nick, if you don't mind. Um, sure. What have you got for us next? I'll play Time Bomb if you like. Go yeah, for fantastic. It, Sounds You're perfect. I've been sweeping the leaves out of my driveway I've been living a good life up to now the basket weaving and the therapist sessions ain't barely enough to dampen obsessions Yeah, I've been taking Cold balls on the hour. I've been sweet and I've been good till you walked on home through my neighborhood. Well, I want you and I want you to know when I hold your hand, won't let go. I'm walking. Talking, ticking, time bomb. Well, I've been taking every ride from strangers. There ain't nobody, and I mean there ain't nobody stranger than me. Well, here's one soul, yeah, 
system won't save if you get me put down maybe then i behave you but i've been living the good life up to now <clears throat> well, i've been sweet and i've been good to you walk on home through my neighborhood well i want you and i want you to know when i hold your hand won't let go i'm walking talking ticking time Sit in the hospital, hold your breath, count up to ten. The thoughts I'm having, if I had a prescription, tell me where in the hell did I put my prescription? Cause I've been having those strange dreams again. Well, I've been sweet and I've been good till you walked on home through my neighborhood. Well, I want you and I want you to know when I hold your hand, won't let go. I'm walking, talking, taking, walking, talking, taking time. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Nick, just want to introduce another mate of mine, uh, Lovey. Just bring him on. Lovey, how are you, mate? Hey, mate. How you going? Nick, good to meet you, mate. How are you? How are you, Lovey? How did you well, get that name? Surname. L-O-V-E. Oh. I get, that's, the, that's the kindest reference to it. You can you can imagine anything else, mate. So, um, yeah, Lovey's fine. Thought it might have been from Gilligan's Island. Was Lovey, was that Gilligan's Island? Oh. Yeah. Really no, I'll take that too. I'll take that too. Um playing that playing a little bit of catch up on this on this particular potty. Uh number 42. So Berkey, you can take your Darren Malone and shove it. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one team anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> um having a crack still, still still filthy on it 31 years later, but that's okay. Um 
As for the 90s, uh, Nick, absolutely did my wheelhouse, probably like it was for Aaron. Uh, we're really similar in age and, you know, he went for any, anywhere from clubs and pubs and even big day outs and all that sort of stuff and uh, things that were done, said and done, those particular things that I agree, that just you can't repeat on here. Um, I, I, I grew up with your music, like you said, Jebediah, uh Powderfinger came on a little bit after you guys as well. All very similar and all Australian and fantastic. Um, Aaron's asked me to throw a question at you, but I, I always wondered from an international perspective, I mean, you talk about all those Australian bands, was there an international group or a solo artist that you either toured with, played with, or whoever that you, you got on really well with? Have you got a favourite? Is there, you know, who did you resonate with from an international perspective? Because... You went international, and a lot of people overseas know you and, and the reptiles in particular. So, for me, I'm, I'm always intrigued as to who, who is it that you linked up with from an international perspective. Well, I guess I get to meet quite a few people, but we never we didn't tour over there that much. You know, we mm. we made we made a couple of records over there, but. I met people here, like, you know, the, the best person I ever met was Brian Setzer from the Stray Cats, who's kind of, <clears throat> and believe it or not, Reptiles did a tour with them. I mean, you wouldn't pick it as a kind of match, but we did. And <clears throat> when I went to the States, you know, he gave me his number and, like, a few people gave me their number, but. Everyone else just kind of brushed me off, but he come and picked me up in one of these. He's got all these Cadillacs, you know. Picked me up yeah. and drove me around. And their manager, I remember their manager at the time, or their tour manager was. Um, he was working on the Lollapalooza, which was the Lollapalooza that had Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Chili Peppers, who I can Chili take And uh, he gave me a pass that was good for all of them. All I had to do was get my like any Lollapalooza in the whole of America that I wanted to go to, I could just walk in with this pass. So I went to about four of them. <laughs> like I flew down to Miami and, you know, I went to Orlando and I saw one in Los Angeles and one in San Francisco. And those guys hooked me up, you know. They were just the real deal, you know, and they really looked after me. You know, they're just good guys, just good guys, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've met a bunch of other people. You know, touring. Did you, get to play, did you get to play a bunch of sets with some of those guys at Lollapalooza? Like, not on, not on stage, but like backstage, were you able to jam out with them? What's oh, the go? Well, I never, no, I never got to jam with them, but I got to hang out. I was just hanging out backstage drinking piss, yeah. you know. You know, I was there, you know, chatting with him and chatting with them. And, you know, I got to see the Black Crows play at like a side stage in Atlanta. I mean, it's just, just nuts stuff. But it was really weird because that that built that lineup must have been booked before Pearl Jam, before Alive came out. So they were playing at like one in the afternoon. But by the time it came around, it was pretty clear who the biggest band on the day was. So by one o'clock in the afternoon, that, that that's you know those stadiums were just heaving. And then Soundgarden came yeah. on after them, and it was just you know this was and that was all before five o'clock in the afternoon. So everyone's hammered like, in the afternoon. Fantastic, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it just kind of really it made me realise just how huge that whole thing was. You know, like it was 
It was phenomenal. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, it was more in the um, in the eighties that we we really like. Recory did a whole bunch. We did a couple of shows with the Pogues, and I got to meet Shane McGowan, and oh, wow. I got to see the Pogues rider, which is still mm. to this day one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen. You know, the amount of booze on it, and it just and they drank it all like it was just. <laughs> oh, no. What else would you expect? I reckon. Oh, you know, but it's funny though because we didn't. Um, even though Time Bomb and those that song, you know, that album did really well, we didn't get to play a lot of festivals. We we for some reason, you know, it was the people that ran the festivals were very protective of them and who they had on them, and you know, we just didn't. Some reason didn't resonate with whoever that was, so we just basically did our thing and did our pub shows, and you know, but we did some supports. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We, I've met over the years. I've met you know a bunch of people in in bands, but you know, for the most part, they're just like us. Most of the ones yeah. I've met, you know, you meet some dickheads, obviously, but you know, mostly all the people I've met have just been they're just good people, you know. Who have found themselves from once, and you know what I found too. Not it doesn't matter who, you, even people you go, wow, they must just, they must just be loving this. This is, and but you realise that you know there's insecurities on every level. Even though you're looking up, going, man, I wish I was you. I wish I was doing what you're doing. They're probably thinking, oh God, you know, when's it all going to end? Or you know, you, you, you sort of get a sense of that that it's all beyond their control a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Remember spending an afternoon with Earl Slick, you know who Earl Slick is? Yeah, yeah, far out. Played with Bowie, you know, and yeah. played with Lou Reed. And I was writing some <laughs> songs know. with him. I was in LA writing songs and I was writing writing songs with him. And just as you know, I was just sitting there getting him to play Bowie songs, you know. I, I had his Moon Age Daydream going, you know. Ash Naylor would have lost his shit, you know. <laughs> it, 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 was, it, was, it was incredible. You know? shot. I couldn't believe it. I was there. I was in Hollywood just with with Earl Slick, you know, writing some some you know songs with him and asking him about Lou Reed, and you know, he's eating an ice cream and one of his teeth breaks off, and he looks at me, <laughs> and he just he looks at me and goes, "You know what, Nick? Heroin and teeth just don't mix." <laughs> There you go. I want to play the ice cream myself, but anyway. Mate, mate, on that, look, if the boys just want me jumping in, mate, would love to hear another song from you, if you wouldn't mind. Maybe a favourite song of yours, maybe, that that you'd like to play? Yeah, all right. I've got one, actually. I was thinking before. I'll play this one. This is a song I wrote for this band, The Heartache State, which was a band project that we had, did a couple of albums. This is a song about about uh, getting old in the music industry and, uh, you know, people sort of saying, oh, you know, when do you think you might hang it up? And I basically <clears throat> had a had a wardrobe full of shirts and I had to get rid of them. I had to go, look, you're probably never going to wear them. They're sort of flashy shirts that I'd want for on stage. And I, the grim day dawn where I realised I was probably never going to get an opportunity to wear these shorts. So it was kind of a line in the sand for me. It was a bit of a... It was, it was a difficult thing to do to get rid of them, but I did. I thought I had this great line in my head about clock star, you know, like how the, you know, there's a time limit on these things. And 
you know, when you get to a certain age, people aren't maybe going to want to see you jump around. They always come back. They always come back. <laughs> yeah, but whether they come back with, you know, you, you, them suiting you is another thing, right? Anyway. <laughs> Take that, dude. So this one's, this one's clock stuff. So.
It's like fantastic, a Mick. Absolutely fantastic, mate. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, man. His powers, Nick. To be honest, yeah. Sorry. You're, yeah, you're you're writing now is as good as it's ever been. I reckon. Thanks, Berkey. I've got a um. I've actually been working on another record, which is sort of three quarters done, which I really fucking love. So, yeah, you know, I'm going right. to put that out. Probably, well, I'm not in a rush, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I like to work slowly. But um, yeah, you know, either the end of this year or you know, when, whenever. But that's a really good record, and it is funny because you know, songwriting, even though kind of probably being a musician you know, it revolves around being young and, you know, doing all that stuff you did when you were young and touring and all the rest of it. But my songwriting's gotten a lot better and um, it's a craft like any other. You hone it, you know. And I had a lot of time to think, as I'm sure we all did during this lockdown, you know, and I think you guys would know this too. It's affected a lot of people in a weird kind of way. A lot of people have had weird sort of epiphanies about their life, right? You know, they've sort of had to kind of face up to themselves in a lot of ways and, you know, I guess I'm no different. And taking away, I mean, I've been doing gigs since I was 17 and I've never gone 12 months without doing a gig and it was um, a strange thing, you know, <clears throat> and in some ways it was, uh, it was confronting, you know, because it made mm -hmm. me have to have a think about, really who I am and what I am and, you know, I guess it really made me realise that I am primarily a songwriter, you know, even though I, I've always played. So it was a good opportunity to kind of dig into that side of it, you know. I mean, it's not something I would want, not something I want to happen, nor nor was it a, you know, it was a terrible thing, but it, it's still you kind of, it's made you go in a certain way, right? You know, I'm sure everyone mm. has had to have ask questions of themselves. So it was interesting in that regard, uh, you know, but the people that suffered most, as we know, and I heard you harassing uh, radio talk back today, Berkey, about it, um, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's the smaller venues, the ones that are getting getting skewered by this. It's not bigger venues so much, even though they're yeah. copying it. It's it's the, it's it's the James Young and it's it's Mick and, 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 you know, and Klanger and people like that that are doing small pubs and trying to do small gigs yeah. that, whose business models has had its guts ripped out of it. So, I mean, musicians, you know, we've we got to, you know, we're part cockroach, right? And if you've been doing it for any number of years, you realise that, you know, you roll with it and weird things happen all the time, not pandemics, of course, but, yeah. you know, you have shit years and, you know, I guess you're a little more resilient, but it's 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 small businesses and small venues are the ones, so they're the ones we've really got to support. And by doing that, you've, you know, pre-buy tickets and and, and go yeah. and see shows when you can and, and you know, go and have a beer in your local pub because that's what Melbourne's, really based itself on and that's what's carried melbourne and that's what melbourne's reputation is and you know a lot of these venues will go and you'll be spewing because you won't be able to go on a sunday afternoon and see someone like me yeah. doing 245s yeah. and, and talking shit you know and that's the real side of music right so yeah, yeah. I, mean, I do feel i hope we can all band together and, and help those smaller venues because they're the ones you know these people put a lot back in james young and, and mick thomas and all those people put a lot back in. You don't see it, 
really, but yeah. they do. They, they're working. They work hard and, and they are really visionary, you know. <laughs> there he is, the man himself. Oh, I fucking love that suit. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so, no, you know, go on. And if I can be self-serving, you know, go and buy half a dozen Nick Wagner Reptiles tickets at the Corner Hotel. <laughs> the Corner Hotel's been supporting music for 500 million years in, in this city, you know. And if you want to hey, give well, these well, venues... We're just going to the corner, Nick. We're doing the road trip as well, mate. We're coming to Sydney. So, sorry, See, you've got both nights, mate. I wish we could put a little bit of uh, whatever it is that flows through your veins in these vaccines, Berkey, because that would solve the <laughs> that would solve the music live music problem in this country very rapidly. I can tell you, you know, and you know, we appreciate it. We appreciate people like yourselves doing stuff like that because, you know, <clears throat> just because you can't do the sort of I mean, look, here's the way: I'm 57 this year on October the 30th, incidentally, so you can, you know, buy me a present by coming to the Corner Hotel and seeing us. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, everybody wants to be Paul Kelly. I'd love to be playing in a 2,000-seat theatre where you can hear a pin drop and everyone's just staring at me gobsmacked. But, you know, I realise that that's for the, for the large percentage of singer-songwriters, that's not the way it is. So, you know, we've got to get out and do other things and we can't do it without people who, who generally love going and seeing live shows. And we've had a big whack this year. So, you know, by by do by pre-buying tickets and 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 you know paying you 20 or 30 bucks or whatever it is, it gives venues the confidence to book more stuff. Because mm. I can guarantee you the corner aren't going to be booking shows and no. you know James isn't going to be able to be putting shows on at his at the Westwood and places like this unless they can see that their calendar's filling up. So you know those ticket links have become really, really important now more more so than ever because yeah. they're only running at half capacity still. So yeah. you know, Nick, I'm, uh, we're running out of time, mate, which which is always going to happen because uh, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, Jeff, you're fair, mate. Love, loving hearing the stories. Just just a couple of things. You you said you found that you know you just sing sing a song right. You want to be our you want to be our best singer songwriters, mate, without pissing pockets. You can go and see Paul Kelly. <laughs> we can't see we can't see lots of bands all year round, and you, you're up there, mate. You're in the top five. So don't ever think wow. that what you're doing is falling on deaf ears, because um, people love music, love your stuff. You can see by the comments that we've got tonight, just a big cross section of people that still love your stuff, want to hear I music. Me, I haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just assuming they're positive. <laughs> Some oh, of them oh, are. Good so no, assumption. <laughs> There's a lot of love hearts there, Nick. You should be fine, mate. Well, that's good. So we expect a um, we expect a um, a pre a pre album launch, mate, somewhere at one of our places or something beforehand. Um, Oh, for sure. You have to wake your way out to St Andrews, mate, to um, sit around the campfire and play some stuff. So done a bunch of gigs out there over the years, mate. Panton Hill Hotel. Yep, we've been there, Nick. (laughs) It's as the boys have said, and also the other people watching as well, mate, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on, mate, and you are as relevant today as when you first started. Mate, every guest we've had on the 42 episodes that we've had, I get the joy of asking what I call a very heart-hitting question. You're having a dinner party and you can invite five people, living or dead. Who are the five people you'd like to invite? Ooh. Other than me. Yeah, other than us four. Your mum and dad Tony, are a given. Tony Lockett. That's so five, five outside your mum. Uh, Tony Lockett. 
Uh, Adam Goods. Yep. Tim Rogers, of course. Hi, Timmy. Because you couldn't have a dinner party without without Jolly. Um, Raquel Welsh. Oh, wow. And who, else, no. who else have I got? Oh, come on, let's put Shane McGowan in there, shall we? Just off the top of my head. That would make for an interesting dinner party, I reckon. A clean Yeah. Awesome. Is there anyone barred? Hey? Anyone barred from that dinner? Anyone barred? Yeah. Oh, I don't don't get me started. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't get me started, lovey, on that. I think uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just let that slide. Move on. I'm going to think about that though all night now, and I'm going to <laughs> I'll message in next week with my with my barred list. <laughs> That'd be fantastic, mate. Thanks for coming on tonight, mate. Can we can we get another song before you go? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was thinking. I don't know. I've, you asked me for a cover, you know. Just do what feeling, Nick. If you don't not feeling a cover, let's give us uh, give us one of yours, mate. We don't mind. Oh, okay. Right. You know what I want? I'm gonna. I'll play you this. This is a. It's probably one of the first songs I ever wrote when I was about seventeen or eighteen, and it's still in every single one of my sets today. So that's saying something. But... I haven't got a clue what it's about. You'd have to ask some bent 17-year-old. Uh, it, it's a B-side of, um, might have been another, on that spirit level, it was a B-side of an early reptile single. So anyway, this one's called Another Easy. Ah, this one's called Never Easy.
wash your medical, you like, but you never thought about it that much. Was I dreaming? I was angry, screaming about some old touch. When you left town, you felt like a clown, but you always acted tough. Disappear when the road gets a little bit rough. You said lies never easy. Never said it was. You're always lying and crying just because you can't find your watch. You just don't have the time. I go crazy out of my head, just plain out of my mind. You said life's never easy. Never said it was. You're always crying, crying just because you can't find your watch. You just don't have the time. I'm going crazy out of my head, just plain out of my mind. Fantastic. Excellent, mate. Excellent. <laughs> Nick, we've got to mention the Valley Sounds gig coming up too. If oh, yeah. Wants, yeah. If anyone That'd wants the uh, my ticket for Ash Grumble, Mark Seymour and uh, James Rain, because we're just going to see you and Tracy, then we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, that should be a good two come up. Not far I'm from Trace, I'm definitely going to uh, hit Tracy up to do a song together, man. I love Tracy. She's unreal. Ripper. Ripper. Good to do a, a Neil Young song with an actual Canadian. It'd be cool. Yeah, that's I'll good. work on that. <laughs> Perfect. Right, some homework, mate. Yeah, bloody hell. Once again, oh, on behalf of We've got something Pardon? to look forward to. Oh, yeah. There's a few coming up, mate. October long 30. Long leader, guys. It's been fantastic chatting with you, mate. We'll, see you, we'll see you before the corner gig, but, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hook up soon. Keep up the good work, fellas. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks for coming on, Nick. We'll catch Thanks, up soon. Thanks, Nicky. Great to meet you, See mate. Thanks for meeting you, mate. Go Swans. Love, man. <laughs>